Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. Back from the grave is Zach, along with Vince and I am Brian. And we are here to talk about two comics coming out on the 6th of February, 2024, starting with Birds of Prey, number six. This is the finale of the first arc of the book, written by Kelly Thompson, illustrated by Leonardo Romero. And um, Zach, why don't you start us off, since we miss you so much while you were festering in the grave last week. Mm -hmm. uh, what did yeah. you think of this issue? Uh, well, before I get into what I thought about this issue, did you guys catch up on the whole series, or did you just read this issue? You already know. <laughs> I, I my guess is that Brian read it all and Vince did it. No, I I, I skimmed the the issues I missed, but I did not have time to sit and read them all like oh, okay. thoroughly. I read the whole thing, and um, did you notice the fill in issue prior to this one? The the one lone fill in artist. I did. That was uh, it, it was really something because it was so such a drastic uh, artistic shift um, compared to Romero. And it goes into uh, my take on the arc as a whole, which is that it didn't need to be six issues and it could have been shorter and not had a fill in artist on the penultimate issue. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I digress. Um I just judging this issue alone, I I mostly I mostly liked it. Um, this whole arc, I think, was carried mostly carried on the art, although I did like Thompson's writing a lot more than I expected to. Um, I really think she had a good grasp on each of the like core characters and their deal and their voice, even like, you know, I feel like a good metric is like can you do a good Harley Quinn that's not annoying? And I think yeah. I, I yes. think that uh, Thompson did a good a good Harley Quinn that's not annoying. Um, and like I particular particularly really liked her her zealot and her Barda. Um, so I I like how this arc shook out, um, and I like the little the the wrinkle at the end that explained the contrivance from earlier in the series about why uh barbara gordon couldn't be included on the team and how that sets up for uh future stories so um i i want to continue reading this book especially if romero uh it, you know continues on as artist and um just continue to love the way that maps is being used in the book so yeah, that's my take. Yeah, that fifth issue um, looks like it's, it was filling in from a different universe. Like it looks nothing <laughs> at all yeah. like the book that that it's uh, a part of. And, well, and who I was think, the artist? Uh, it was somebody. Hang on, it was a name that I'm I was not super familiar with. Let me just uh, open up the issue. Um, of course, it's not on the first page because why would it be? It's it's an artist that just I mean Romero's work is so specific that it would be hard to match that, but it doesn't even come close. Um, Arist Dane. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, um, that's fine. Yeah. Um. But so you know, I I think you're probably right, Zach, that it, it could have been four or five issues. But I also feel like that is my constant refrain with comics: is that yeah these arcs are, are just a little bit too long for the most part. Um, but I will say that I, I think a lot of times there are revivals of team books 
that the only reason they're revived is because somebody in editorial says it's been too long since we've had a blank book. And so we need to do that book again. And I have to say that in the current DC landscape, the Titans book has a very particular viewpoint and it is trying to do something that is particular to the Titans. And with this sixth issue, I think we have a pretty clear indication as to why this Birds of Prey book exists, which is to save Barbara Gordon. And I, I like that there is a purpose behind this book that isn't just we have this IP, we might as well be using it. And I know that writers all the time attempt to give a bigger reason for having a book than just, oh, editorial felt it was time. But this one really feels like it has a, a unique and an important mission behind it, you know, in, in story. I think that the inclusion of maps and time travel and all of that is really clever. And I love, love the revelation that it's going to be a rotating team each each arc. Um, you know, while while I did enjoy this team quite a bit. I would much rather the average superhero team not have a set in stone lineup and let it be more fluid. You know, I understand why that doesn't happen a lot of times, but this is a really exciting opportunity to use some of DC's forgotten or, you know, less used female characters in this book. So, yeah, I thought this was excellent, this this issue. And I thought that this issue paid off just about everything you'd want it to throughout the uh throughout the first six and yeah I, i'm you know i is it a little bit too long sure were there uh parts that i would definitely cut yes but i don't feel this was uh i don't think that it's being too long took away from my enjoyment of it i think it was within the the like range of uh annoyingly long arcs but not it did, didn't didn't bump so far into that range that i wished I wasn't reading any issue as I was reading it, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I felt that way barring the fifth issue, just in, in so much as the, the artistic shift was like so jarring. And it and it even I even felt like Thompson's scripting changed as a response to the artist. And it 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 just felt a lot um more slight, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh like there was less dialogue on page, it seemed like. And yeah, just a very weird choice. I, I feel like it would have made more sense to to wrap up the arc in five and then have a one, you know, a, a fill in in between uh, the arcs. In, yeah. In between the arcs with a different artist. Um, yeah. yeah. Vince, what do you think of this? Yeah. Um, same as you guys really like you, you guys took all the words out of my mouth pretty much. Um, I think the only thing I would say is that, um, so I agree that it's well written. It's probably the best uh, series of issues that I've read from Kelly Thompson. Honestly, like as somebody who you know famously was not really a fan of her Marvel work at all, like any of it, um, really enjoyed this and enjoyed the writing. And what Zach said about Harley Quinn is spot on. Like when she, when she opens her mouth in this book, it's it's usually something funny or at least charming and not grating and annoying or just too much. Like it's the perfect sprinkle of Harley Quinn into, into a team book. Um, something we've seen done poorly in like suicide squad books over the, the past yeah. decade. Um, 
<clears throat> I guess another thing I would add is um, this is also the probably the only time outside of explicitly Wildstorm titles where Zealot doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Like in every other book that Zealot has ever appeared in, I, I I'm always acutely aware that this is a, a Wildstorm character that should not be in this universe popping in right now, <laughs> and I don't get that feeling here. Uh, so again, like I think part of it is the art, and part of it is the writing that just like melds her into this cast in a way that 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 works instead of. I mean, it. I, I think part of it is that like prior zealot appearances kind of come out of nowhere and and it, it even play upon the fact that like she is an outsider uh to the dcu proper you know mm-hmm. whereas whereas in this it doesn't mention that at all it just treats her like a character from the dcu that that has been ingrained and established at this point yeah, oh. it, it, the way the way she's even like incorporated in some of the early ish, earlier issues, especially like some implied or maybe history that has happened somewhere that I'm not privy to and cannot cannot track down ever, definitely. Uh, but like some history with the Amazons and and things that is really interesting. And like, I wouldn't mind. I would like for Thompson to do a Zealot book, honestly. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's bold. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a Wildstorm book in general. Maybe, maybe yeah, that would be mm. I would be here for it, I think. Um yeah. Yeah, but otherwise I found this really charming. Um I did not read that fill in issue, so I, I I know not of what you speak and so you know this You should I flip think through I, it just to just to see the uh, art. <laughs> it's on yeah. DC Universe. You can just yeah. you know, flip through it. Yeah, but that's I, mean, I don't like doing stuff, you guys. Um <laughs> uh I, yeah, I don't really have any strong criticisms. Like if I, if I had to nitpick, I guess like you know I'm I'm a I'm a big time big ass hater of the the six issue arc, you know, so mm-hmm. like anytime anytime that's what you're dealing with, I think just by default I'm going to be um a little disappointed that it's getting stretched that thin. Um and aside from that, like, I don't know, was the plot a little MacGuffin-y? Uh, yeah, but it was just a fun hang with this team, you know, like, yeah, the the plot might be a little thin, but, you know, they, they go get get sin rescuer little twist at the end with now she she might have to live with this uh, uh, dark spirit inhabiting her or whatever, um, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. I can't remember exactly the name of it. Magara, Magara. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Thank you. Yeah, Magog. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So is that is that like a a, a mind blowing story or like anything we haven't seen a hundred times before? No, but it's really well done by both the writer and the artist. So yeah, um, yeah. Really charming book still, and and yeah, I'm I'm in for the next arc for sure. Is this the best? Birds of Prey reboot since the original one. Since Gail Simone, yeah. yeah, I feel like it has to be. Yeah, there was the um, 
There was the New 52 one, obviously. Well, sorry, sorry there, there was the the Brightest Day one. Which I, don't, I don't believe it was Gail Simone. Was that? I don't think that was. I... Uh, I think when, I think when, she what, yeah I think she came think back was, didn't she? Yeah. did she when Hawk and Dove were on the team? Mm. I think so. I thought she was gone by that point, but I could be wrong. Um, but there's that one. There's the new fifty two one, which was uh, what was his name? Dwayne uh, Swarzynski. Yeah, that's it. Not McDuffie. Um, Gosh, no, not Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne McDuffie was dead by that point, yeah. sadly. Uh. And then there was the Bensons did it in uh, Rebirth. Remember the the mm-hmm. uh, the TV writers, the Bensons. And then was there one more since then, or was that the last one? Uh there's no way. No, I think there really is no one. I think it was the last one too, though. What was the no? You know what? There there were mini series though, weren't there? There was yes, like a black were. label. Yes. So if you want to, if you want to yeah, count wasn't those, one wasn't one a uh, Azarello like <laughs> yes, it, it was like yes. nominally kind of trying to cash in on the the movie. I believe that one was called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, right? I think that's right. I, yeah. Again, there's no yeah. way of knowing, but yes, probably. <laughs> Man, Azarello is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. He was mean uh, to me. You know the story. I know he was. Yes, know. yes, yes. I know. I think I feel like that should just be like a badge of honor to <laughs> to be to be uh to have Brian to have been asked. To been have been asked. <laughs> he he asked you up. It's like the opposite of being rizzed. Yeah. Is is, is Brian Azarello the as king? Did he as up <laughs> what, whatever that meme was from two years yeah. ago now? Uh, I'm looking up the Birds of Prey just for our interest here, the, the uh-huh. different volumes. Um, we've got Chuck Dixon slash Gail Simone. Yeah, that was the first volume. Yep. We've got The Brightest Day, which was Gail Simone. That was Gail Simone, okay. Yep. And then after that, we got the Dwayne Swazinski yeah. one, which was New 52. Yeah. And then you got your... Oh, vol- volume four is considered. If you if you the the fandom wiki, volume four is the one shot by Brian Azzarello. Jeez, and then volume five is the present. That's insane. Anyway, it was they just don't a one normally... shot too. It wasn't even a mini series. It was just a one shot. Now I could be wrong. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was supposed to be a series, and it fell through. And they cobbled what they had together and they made it a black label uh just one off. That tracks. I it tracks. I I could be muddying up the story, but I'm fairly certain it was supposed to be more. And uh someone decided, oh, this this is not this how we wanna yeah. Yeah, we got this movie coming out, and this comic is not how we want to synergize with that. <laughs> Could be wrong, could be pulling that out of my ass, but I seem to remember something along those lines. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. 
coming down by good old Sky Laser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. Well, up next is our second book of the week, and that's Shazam number eight, written by Mark Wade, illustrated not by Dan Mora, the uh, artist who was solicited for it, but by Goran Suzuka. And uh, I did not catch up on this book because I, I, I'm probably only an issue or two behind. I've been, I've been reading this uh, relatively consistently, but I can imagine uh, that neither of you were caught up. Zach, did you catch up on this as well? I didn't catch up on this. No. Okay. And Vincent, I actually, I, no, I actually have been reading this. Oh, okay. I didn't play catch up. I've been reading this uh, month to month as it comes out, waiting for it to get good. <laughs> well, so so I I will I will take somewhat issue with that. Um, I think it has been good. It has not been great. Since I, that's started. that's that's re- that's really what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. However, I will bad. I will say I thought this issue worked very well, uh, for a few reasons that that I I can get into uh, either now or in a minute. Go um, for it. Just, just okay. Yeah. You know what? You never go first. You're such a generous guy, Brian. You're such a giver. You always let Zach and I fire off our takes first. Why don't you go first for once? Thank you, Vince. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I thought this was a good story for a couple of reasons. I think that the tricky part with... Are you laughing at me now? I was I was pretending to snore as okay. soon as you started talking. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> no, I think that the tricky part of doing a Shazam book in 2024 is that you are beholden to the continuity that Jeff Johns created with the the family, which is very different than the continuity that so many great Shazam stories are based off of. And so the combination of that, and I thought that Johns did a great job of that in the initial backup in Justice League in the New 52, but that his series that he was doing uh, a couple years ago did not really do very well with that stuff. And so I think that this issue in particular, but this series in general has done a better job of balancing the sort of classic Shazam elements, the Rock of Eternity, Takitani, Black Adam, etc., with the the Shazam family that has become so important to this book. And I think that this issue did a good job of showing the difference between Billy as a member of this uh, you know, this adopted uh, foster family rather, and the captain, as I unfortunately have to call him. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a bummer. It really is a bummer as this sort of like superhero. And I thought it did a good job of showing Black Adam and the sort of dual nature of Black Adam being this, you know, this person who really believes he's doing the right thing all the time, but also an asshole. And it did a good job of showing the gods as kind of the same thing. You know, the, the gods in Black Adam are are not all that different in the way they're presented here, where the gods believe they're right and that Billy is wrong, and they really don't care beyond that. And so I thought that this did a really good job of balancing sort of all those elements of what makes up a, a modern-day Shazam story. And I thought it told that story pretty well. I also think that one of the elements that I like about the character is that it is literally child wish fulfillment. Like every kid in the world has wished they could be a superhero, wish they could be stronger, faster, whatever it is. Billy Batson wished that and it actually happened to him. So there has to be this sort of underlying uh, 
childish is the wrong word, childlike, I guess, view of the world here. And like the fact that Billy doesn't think about what would happen if that house was destroyed is a perfect example of the captain acting, but also this sort of selfish, like young teenager Billy acting. There has to be that childlike nature at the center of it. And this had that. Um, the, the the knocks on this, I will say that the uh, the art is fine. I, I'm not the biggest Suzuka fan, but I, I think he does he does okay here. But compared to Mora, it is it is certainly a downgrade artistically. Um, and I'll also say that these these like alien dinosaurs, it was a funny joke the first couple of times they showed up, uh-huh. but it the joke wears thin by the sixth by this eighth issue. Um, and uh, yeah. That's that's generally how I feel about this issue. I'm I'm also, as we all know, I'm the Shazam guy on the show, so I'm going to be higher on this than everybody else. But I have to say, I I think I also hold these stories to a higher standard because sometimes, uh, at times, because of my history with the character. And so I, I'm not sure how how you uh how you folks felt, but Vince, why don't you tell us? Um, so I think. Uh, I think I agree with all that stuff you say about the the perspective of a child and how um, <clears throat> Mark Wade is really focusing on that aspect of the character to, to good effect. I think uh, the the dinosaurs were extremely thin in this uh, particular issue, especially. Yeah. Um, it's a very old fashioned joke. And so it's it I mean technically it does fit perfectly with the tone of Captain Marvel Shazam you know like this sort of thing talking animals uh you know weird magical creatures from another world or planet or whatever it 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 slots right in there's technically uh, Wade commits no crimes here uh it's just not my sort of thing. Like, like you said, it's funny the first couple times, maybe, and then it really he he just hammers on that joke that oh they they got to do a lot of paperwork on Dinosaur World or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, it's like oh boy, okay, I, we get it. Um, and that took a, a surprising amount of real estate in this issue. For it me. did, yes. <laughs> um, but. But yeah, the stuff about about Billy being responsible for basically d- destroying the family house, um, you you have to squint a little bit because in reality, like in reality in the DCU, if uh, a superhero accidentally destroyed their own house, Bruce Wayne would just buy him another one, right? <laughs> you gotta sure. like, or the captain would that. show up at, at, at the Department of Family Services or whatever and be like, it's cool. I vouch for these people. And they'd be like, okay, captain, goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the, and normally, normally I easily look past things like that, but this is one of those cases where like, I appreciate what Wade was doing because it, it really is, it's really tough to make a relatable problem like that and apply it to a superhero when you know that this for them, the solution would be so easy. Right. Um, I applaud him for doing it because you can, I mean, uh, world ending stakes. You can only do some, like you got to find other stakes 
somewhere, mm-hmm. personal stakes, you know, whatever, etc. Omaha stakes. Omaha stakes. But in this case, like, as I'm of two minds of it. On the one hand, I appreciate him trying to find very relatable childlike stakes that would be a big deal to a child. I admire that. I think he did as well as he could with it. And yet, in the grand scheme of Shazam, the DCU, it's like getting your house burned down or whatever is not that big of a deal for these people. You know what I mean? That's and that's unfair of me, I think. But it's just something that that didn't wouldn't escape from my mind reading this particular comic. Like typically I'm able to shrug that off, but. I will also say that I feel that Wade is usually one of Wade's best strengths to me is his pacing. And it felt very rushed that the house was destroyed this issue and also fixed this issue. Like it's just, (laughs) it's, it's a bit of a, of a rush job of of the tone that he's going for. Like if you really want this to be, if you want this to to be a, a critical thing, it should have hung, should have hung over the events for more than like five pages. Yeah, I think that definitely contributed to me like not not being able to shake the feeling that this wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like on the whole, yes, I think this is an effective issue and it's been a this has been a decent Shazam comic so far. It's just not not once has this comic blown me away, uh, especially the way I would expect from the creative teams. And I'm a big fan of Suzuka going back to to at least new 52 wonder woman. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if not something before that, that I'm not remembering, but, um, but here I think it's, I think it's really ordinary work. Um, it's certainly not bad. It's just, uh, it's just a downstep from what the book should be. Yeah. And it's not what I, it's not how good I remember Suzuka being either years ago. Yeah. Um, we should also mention that I guess there's only two issues left from this creative team or from the from the oh, uh yeah. from the uh Wade and uh uh Mora creative team. Uh isn't is it Josie Campbell taking over the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I forget who's doing the art though. Oh uh Lupacino, Emmanuel Lupacino is taking over the art. So that should be great. I wonder if it's Gotta gonna become do. more more Mary focused or if it's going to continue to be really focused or, or just, you know, incorporate more of Mary into it. Cause, uh, Josie Campbell did that great, uh, Mary Marvel miniseries, the new champion of Shazam, right? This was called, I think something like that. No way of knowing, of course, no way of, knowing, but of course. Yeah. Zachy, what'd you think of this? Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a ton to say that you guys didn't already say. I I thought it was um, perfectly crumpulent. Um, I did like the art. Actually, I actually didn't mind the dinosaurs. I thought the gag, maybe because I haven't been keeping up with this book, so <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. it hasn't been like a recurring thing for me. I I thought that the the dinosaurs were kind of cute and funny. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like it, it felt pretty slight. Like this whole run has felt to me, from what I've read, um, and so I'm I'm a little I've been a little disappointed with it, much like I have with like a lot of stuff Wade has been doing recently. Uh, so I don't I won't say like I welcome the creator change, but I'm not too upset about it. I I I do 
question. I don't want to say the point of the book because that's that's overselling what I'm trying to say here. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with Wade, you get the I get the impression that Wade kind of does is it the impression that you get. It is. I am anti-vax. Um, oh no! <laughs> you know that guy is anti-vax now, right? Yes, That's I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I get the joke, Brian. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, what I was gonna say is, I think that Wade is pretty much only doing stuff that Wade wants to do at DC at this point in his career. Like he, he's not gonna take a meeting and be like, "We need you to relaunch Catwoman with a new sexy Catwoman." He'll say like, "No, thank you," and he'll move on. He's he has the clout to do what what he wants to do. And so the impression that I get, again, Money Money Boston's riff here, um, is that he took on Shazam because he had something he wanted to do or say with that character. And this book has not really reflected what seems to me to be like a strong story that felt like it was something that Wade was dying to tell. It feels a little bit more ordinary than that. Whereas I feel like yeah. World's Finest, while I don't, I think World's Finest has been uh, good. It, it has bordered on great a few times, but it, it is not consistently like a knockout. There is clearly something going on there that is a bigger story that Wade is telling that will eventually, hopefully, one day pay off. You know, with all the Magog stuff and the and the sort of um, the, the 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 stories set back in the past, like all that stuff. There is a there is a point of view with those stories. That is clearly something Wade is passionate about. And this doesn't feel the same way. And so I'm wondering if there was going, if the original Shazam book he pitched is not what we got, or a better project came up and so he never got to turn it into what he wanted it to, or or what the what the story is with it. It's just it it's a strange, it's a strange pairing of creator and story because of how slight the story is and how the creator never needs to do another slight comic again in his life if he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. But maybe he wants to. Maybe, yeah. He just loves dinosaur aliens. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying he should. I'm just I'm just <laughs> wondering, you know, maybe yeah. he is in maybe he is in like uh just goofing around mode. Yeah. I don't know. I don't love it, but. Well, that does it for the show for this week. There's one last thing I wanted to mention. Sure. Go ahead. Did did any of you notice the reference in the, in the Takitani epilogue, the chocolate frosted sugar bombs? No. That's a cereal from Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> I take back everything I said. Markway's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, oh, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. It was good. All uh, right. So next next, week's comics. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, action 1062, Batman 143. I believe that's Jokey Year One, yep. Issue Two. Uh, Batman and Robin 6, Batman City of Madness 3. Blue Beetle 6, Green Lantern 8, Outsiders 4, Red Hood the Hill number 1, Sinister Sons number 1, Speed Force 4, and Wesley Dodds the Sandman number 5. We're going to get Sin Sun? I think we're going to get Sin Sun. 
I think we are. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. See you next time for us getting a sin Go to bc3cast.com for more. Thank you. Bye-bye. Are you sinning, son?